100 and 20 hundred UTC. Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the November 7th edition of the Sunday Side of Sports. We're now 13 days away from the kickoff of the FIFA World Cup football tournament in Qatar. The Black Stars of Ghana will be making their fourth World Cup appearance. They're in Group H, along with Portugal, Uruguay, and South Korea. Now, one young player to watch for the Black Stars is 22-year-old Mohamed Kudus, who has been earning kudos playing for the Dutch club Ajax Amsterdam in Europe. Yawafusu Larbi joins us now with a profile of kudus from Accra, Ghana. Sporty greetings, Yao! Sporty greetings, Sunny. Ghana named a 55-man provisional list a few days ago to mark the beginning of their campaign for the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Among the players to be included are captain of the side, Andrea Yu, and his brother, Jordan, who plays for Crystal Palace in England, Arsenal's Thomas Partey, Southampton's Mohamed Salisu, Tariq Lamte, Inyaki Williams, and new sensation, Kudus Mohamed. Kudus has been the name on the lips of many Ghana fans. He made his debut for Ghana in a game against South Africa in 2019 and has gone on to play 18 times for the country and scored five goals in the process. The attacking midfielder was included in the Ghana squad for the Africa Cup of Nations earlier this year, but his chances were blighted due to an injury. He, however, returned to join the team for the final playoff game against Nigeria, where the Black Stars prevailed. At his first major tournament in Qatar, Kudus wants it to be a success. Um, it feels um, really good, to be honest, but I mean, it will be even more better with, the, with better performances and and leave a mark over there. I mean, the goal is not just to to just play at the World Cup and then does it, but the goal is to, to, to leave a mark as a nation and, and we really want to do well. So that's the goal. It's not just going to the World Cup, but it's, it's, it's making a mark and leaving good performances when we go there. I think my personal goal comes, comes with the team, honestly, because um, without the team uh, making it far, then all the personal goals don't really... Uh, coming so like I said before it's the main goal is to help the team get out of the group because the, the further we go in the more they see the individuals so the, the goal is for the team to, to, to get out of the group stages and then the further we go in the tournament I think the more um, light comes on the individuals so it's all for the, for, for the team you know. The Ajax man recounts how his time on the sidelines felt he says that period in his life was a dark one. His family, however, was the catalyst that helped him in the down times when he went under the knife and was left at home to recuperate. We are footballers for, for some time, but we are human beings forever, I feel. So in that moment, you really get to discover other parts of you as a human because um, you get to realize what it's like without football, and that's why the, the same family um, topic comes in again because yeah 
there are the people who are really there regardless of um, so I think of course being out of football affects your development as a player because the more you play the more you learn and the more you improve but as a human being in general I think it has really um, shaped me a lot to see um, a lot of stuff to know what my life is like without family I think it will be very hard especially in our job because um, they are there regardless what I mean by that is whether whether it's going good, it's not going good, you're injured, you're not playing, they are, they are always there. So I think um, that's, that's really one core important um, why we need our family around us because they are always there regardless. But with our job, you know, you have new friends when things are going well and all of that. But I think family is so important that, yeah, they are, they are there regardless of however your job is going or so on. So I think we need them and their energy close by, you know. The youngster has made massive strides in his career since he moved from FC Nordjylland two seasons ago. Ajax has provided a fertile ground for the midfielder. He scored four goals in the UEFA Champions League for Ajax amidst the team's demotion to the Europa League. In spite of all the personal successes the man has chalked in his fledgling career, he still gets criticism for how he plays, with some fans labelling him as selfish. But he says that's the work of a creative player. Obviously, every player has uh, your weakness and parts of our game that we can improve. That's one thing. And the other side is also most of the advice and information I get is from the coaches. You know, um, I'm an attacking midfielder. You know how I play as a creative player. So I don't really mind losing all the balls, but making that one um, one action that leads to the goal. Because as a creative player, losing the ball is, is one of the normal stuff that happens. So... Me sticking to the ball is trying to create opportunities for the team, as if you can see, because I feel um, with my skills, um, most of the time it's taking risk in the game and trying to create stuff in the, in, in, in the field of play. So that's how it's, it seems like holding on to the ball, but he's just trying to create stuff for the team to It's all for, for the team to win. Every action on the pitch that goes to my mind is, 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 is how to help the team win, honestly, because... When the team shines, that's when we, the individuals, shine as well. So the, the, the main goal on the pitch is, is, is how to make the team win. So every action you see on the pitch or any tackle or any decision, is the idea behind it is helping the team win. For the sunny side of sports, this is Yao Fosulabi in Accra. Thanks, Yao. The 1994 African Footballer of the Year, Emmanuel Amunike of Nigeria, says it's a mistake to label Africa's five World Cup-bound teams as underdogs. In an interview with Iron Mike Mbonye, Amunike said the African teams have quality players who will compete at a high level in Qatar. I think... uh the five uh, representatives of uh, Africa in the World Cup, I don't think they are underdog because uh, when you look at the pedigree of the team, uh, they have a lot of, uh, in terms of the pedigree of the teams, I mean, that are representing us, uh, they have great players that are doing very well in the European League, that are playing at top level. So I think it will be a very understatement for we to categorically, you know, we classify African, uh, the team representing Africa as an underdog. Uh, I totally disagree with that. I think the important thing is 
how we can be able as a team to to be in a position to be able to compete with the rest of the world and that's the and that is what World Cup is all about it's not just being underdog or being the super destiny even the the so-called powerhouse in football in Europe sometimes they struggle also in the World Cup do you think the five African teams going to the World Cup have quality players to do well in their games yeah, we have quality players. If we have been able to set a standard in Europe where the African players are being looked at now, being recognized, not only looked at, being recognized in various leagues in Europe, uh, it tells you that, uh, that we Africa, uh, we, we African, we have, you know, over the years, uh, worked to be in a position that uh, we recognize to, uh, that uh, We've been recognized today. We'll talk about Salah, we'll talk about Mani. Apart from those players, you have other various players that are doing well in different uh, levels of their football. So I think it will be very, very, you know, very, very unrespectful for people to be, you know, having that kind of thought or thinking that the African teams that are going to participate in the World Cup does not possess the quality of players that we enable them to compete. It all goes down in terms of our preparation. It all goes in terms of our level of understanding from tactical point of view of the game. And then it also goes down on the individual and collective effort of the team. I think these are the directions I personally, as an ex-player and also as a coach, uh, you know, need to be looking at on our players to be able, you know, to, to give the best uh, of themselves in this World Cup. Coach, as a former international player with World Cup experience, what's your advice to the African teams against formidable oppositions at the World Cup? Well, my advice to the five representatives of uh, African continent, first of all, I think uh, the last edition of the World Cup that uh, took place in Russia, uh, it was very, very unfortunate that uh, none of the team uh, made it out of the group stage. I think we have to go back, uh, you know, from that experience uh, and look at what probably we have done good and what we have also not done good uh, that made it possible for us not to qualify from the group stage. But uh, Qatar World Cup is not a Russian World Cup. Uh, this is a totally different uh, World Cup. And I, uh, I believe that the African... You know, representatives, you know, they are all going into that tournament with more experience, with more, you know, more hopes and more determination. And uh, the, the key word in this World Cup is the ability of a team to be able to keep it tight in terms of uh, when you have the ball, when you don't have the ball, because these are the key important moment in football when a team is in possession of the ball how are they really playing to be able to you know to get to their objectives which is to score and when a team you know is not in possession of the ball how are they playing uh, to be able to prevent the opponent to play comfortable and defend the possi possible result that they have. I think these are things that we Africans, in terms of the teams that are going to represent us, should be looking at, not just based on uh, because we have players playing well in Europe and then with that alone we are going to do miracle. No, no, I totally disagree with that. It's all about finding cohesion. It's all about finding understanding. It's all about having... 
uh, the knowledge uh, of tactical approach that uh, individual and collectively that applies into a team. That's Emmanuel Amunike, the 1994 African Footballer of the Year. And he spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Lusaka, Zambia. Sporty greetings. This is Emmanuel Amuneke, former Nigerian player, former Tanzanian coach. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Many thanks. Remain blessed and stay safe. God bless you. We'll have more football news, but first, let's give a sunny side of sports salute to the Houston Astros baseball team. The Astros won their second World Series title in six years after beating the Philadelphia Phillies 4-1 over the weekend. The AP's Adam Spillane reports from Houston, Texas. Gordon Alvarez crushed a sixth-inning three-run homer that traveled 450 feet as the Astros beat the Phillies in Game 6 of the World Series 4-1 to claim the franchise's second world championship. Astros manager Dusty Baker. These guys, they know how to win. They come to play. No alibis, no excuses. Uh, you know, you can come in our clubhouse. You can't tell if we, the next day, if we lost or if we won. Framber Valdez earned the win by allowing one run over six innings, while Jeremy Pena collected two hits and was named series MVP. Dusty Baker's a legend in the sport, you know, not just because he's been around. You know, he's had success in this game, and, uh, you know, he brings the best out of his players. You know, he gives you the confidence to just go out and play hard and, you know, let the game take care of itself. And you can't ask more of a manager. Adam Spillane, Houston. Thanks, Adam. From Houston, let's go to Los Angeles, California, where Los Angeles FC lifted its first MLS Cup trophy over the weekend in what's being described as the most dramatic final in Major League Soccer's 27-year history. Los Angeles beat the Philadelphia Union in a penalty shootout 3-0, following a three-all draw in extra time. It tied the record for the highest-scoring final in MLS Cup history and featured two late goals that led to the shootout. One of those goals was scored by the Welshman Gareth Bale, the former Real Madrid star who now plays for Los Angeles FC. Bale tied the score at three on a spectacular header, to help force the shootout. The backup goalkeeper for Los Angeles, John McCarthy, stopped two Philadelphia shots in the shootout and won the MLS Cup MVP award. Kudos to McCarthy, and we give you a sunny side of sports salute. Now, Los Angeles FC began play in Major League Soccer in 2018 as an expansion team. Among those celebrating the new MLS champions in Los Angeles were the team's co-owners, Will Ferrell, the American movie star, and basketball great Magic Johnson, who starred for years in Los Angeles with the Los Angeles Lakers. And speaking of magic... Egyptian football star Mo Salah showed off his scoring magic for Liverpool over the weekend. We'll hear from Salah now in this spicy report from Prince Nesta. Sporty greetings, Prince. Sporty greetings to you too, Sonny. 
Egyptian wing maestro Mo Salah scored twice in Liverpool's 2-1 win over Tottenham Hotspur to give the Reds their first away win of the season in the Premier League. England's keeper Harry Kane scored Spurs' consolation goal with a smart finish into the bottom corner in the second half. Salah now has 14 goals and 5 assists in 20 appearances this season. Shared his thoughts on the match. I think, I think we were lucky in the first half. Um, we, we, we played football to be fair. We, we managed uh, to, to score two goals and um, second, second half I think we could, we could score but we were unlucky and the, the most important thing is we managed to get the three points. He is Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp's reaction to his team's performance. We can talk about the quality of Tottenham and that's obviously incredible how we could see in the second half. Um, but we played a extremely good, extremely good first half. And the second half we, we put a proper shift in so they took all the risk um, and did really well. I have to say, um, we're pretty clear in what they want to do, but it's anyway difficult to defend all the diagonals. One we wants Perisic then on the wing can fly, can cross with left, can cross with right. <laughs> the ball's constantly coming into the box. It's really and they they go in front of the goalie with the header. So a lot of things, but they do obviously well. That's why they turned a couple of games um, around. Um, but we just kept fighting. It was big passion in the second half. And again, first half, we were the clear better side and, 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 and were scored two wonderful goals. But uh, in the end, um, I, it's obviously long ago that we won a away game in the Premier League, so I don't really know how, how to feel in this moment. But it was relief after the final whistle. Spurs boss Antonio Conte also gave remarks on his team's performance. My assessment about the performance is, uh, <laughs> is, is positive. And if you ask me about the, the final result, and um, uh, for sure I'm not happy. And uh, it's the same for my players, because I think uh, at the end we deserve much more in this, uh, in this game. It was, uh, was really difficult to, is uh, really difficult to explain the first half, because uh, um, uh, we were 2 nil down, uh, despite uh, I think uh, we showed a great desire, a great will. Uh, and uh, we pressed well, uh, and we created also chances to, to score with uh, a post. And uh, we finished the first half uh, to nil down. And I think this type of result can kill uh, everything. That Spurs manager Antonio Conte reacting to his team's loss against Liverpool in the Premier League. Brazilian defender Gabriel's second half goal sent Arsenal back to the top of the Premier League. Two points clear of Manchester City after securing a hard-fought 1-0 win against Chelsea. The 24-year-old has now scored nine goals from corner situations in the Premier League since he joined prior to the 2020-2021 campaign. The Gunners are now 13 points ahead of Chelsea and will be top of the table at Christmas if they win the final game before the World Cup break. They are set to face Wolverhampton Wanderers at the Molinex Stadium on Saturday. Arsenal manager Mikel Ateta reacted to his team's performance. Well, obviously we want to get back uh, and being at the top, but um, obviously the competition is so, so difficult in this league. Uh, the job was for us, I think the challenge for us was to come to this stage against the top team in the league and, and play and perform the win if we don't today and, and deserve to win the game. And uh, the boys did that. Chelsea boss Graham Potter also shared his thoughts on the match. I think we played against a team in a really good moment, a confident team. You can see the points they have. Um, so credit to them. Uh, the boys, the boys gave everything. Uh, it was a huffing and puffing performance from us without 
the, the real quality that we that we that we need. We've got some few situations, four v four, three v three in the box, but missed that last little bit. But overall, I think uh, Arsenal deserved to win. And uh, whilst the goals are disappointing, one and uh, over over the course of the game, we haven't too much complaints with the results. That's Chelsea manager Graham Potter reacting to his team's loss against Arsenal in the Premier League. Manchester City needed a stoppage time penalty from Norwegian Dangerman Erling Haaland to beat Fulham two goals to one and are now two points behind as they chase their fifth title in six seasons. Here's City boss Pep Guardiola's thoughts on the match. With the Brighton, the way they play, it's like how they were better. And Leicester, we saw for 10 15 minutes against that team, seven in the table, how good they are. And we play awesome. 11 against 11, when we make a send-off, uh, we get the send-off, uh, 10 against 11, 65 minutes, the play that we played. Of course, the result is magnificent for us, but no change for the fact how we played during during many, many times, so it was really good. That City manager, Pep Guardiola, reacting to his team's win against Fulham in the Premier League. Former Arsenal manager Unai Emery enjoyed a dream debut as Aston Villa boss with an impressive 3-1 victory against Manchester United at Villa Park. The Clariton Blue had not beaten United on home soil in the league since 1995, with gold from Leon Bailey, Lucas Dean and Jacob Ramsey helping end United's historic dominance in the fixture. Red Devils boss Eric Ten Hag shared his thoughts on his team's performance. Bad defo- uh, performance, clear. Uh, collectivity, no good. Um, no following the plan, no following uh, the rules we have. And they take benefit. We didn't know how they come, new manager, uh, different organization. But then it's not possible that you lose the game in the start of the first half and start of the second half. This Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag's reaction to his team's loss against Aston Villa in the Premier League. The win moved Aston Villa up to 13, three points above the relegation zone, while Manchester United remained fifth. Moving on to the French League, Danilo Pereira and Brazilian superstar Neymar both scored to help unbeaten Paris Saint-Germain secure a 2-1 win at Lorient and restore its five-point lead at the top of the French League. Second place Len saw off bottom club Angier two goals to one, while third place Hene secured a one-all draw at Lille. French footballer Samuel Gigas for half header ensured Marseille cruise to a 1-0 win against Lyon at the Villedome Stadium. While gone from Swiss footballer of Cameroonian descent Brill Embolo and Alexandra Golovin helped Monaco secure a 2-0 away win at Toulouse. And finally, in La Liga, French winger of Malian descent Osman Dembele and Frankie de Jong were both on target as Barcelona beat Almeria 2-0 to continue their title challenge. The results lifts back above Real Madrid at the top of the table, where they will stay until Los Blancos plays at Rayo Vallecano on Monday. Joao Felix also rescued a point for third-place Atletico Madrid in a one-all draw against Espanyol. Reporting for the sunny side of sports, I'm Prince Nestor.
Thanks, Prince. Follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Let's give another sunny side of sports salute to Kenyan athletes Evans Chabet and Sharon Lochetti, who won the men's and women's titles Sunday in their New York City Marathon debuts. Samson O'Malley reports. Evans Chibet and Sharon Lochetti survived brutal heat and humidity to win the New York City Marathon on Sunday. Chibet, who won in Boston this year, won the race in 2 hours, 8 minutes, 41 seconds. Ethiopian Shura Kitata finished second in 2 hours, 8 minutes, 54 seconds. And Dutchman Abdi Nageye took third. Chibet's win completes a Kenyan sweep of the six men's world marathon majors in 2022. In the women's category, Lukedi making her marathon debut stayed with the leading park before pulling away in the final stages to win in 2 hours, 23 minutes, 23 seconds. Her coach, Stephen Haas, speaks on her winning strategy. Leading up in, in the build-up in Kenya actually probably helps with this. You know, um, it, it was a little bit warmer, um, you know, that has been in Flagstaff in the last couple last couple weeks, last couple of months. Um, so, yeah, no, I think she was really, really confident. If you look back at a lot of results, she had done really well at uh, some warmer weather races. In handball news, the 25th edition of the African Women's Handball Championship will take place in Dakar, Senegal, from the 9th to the 19th of November 2022. Ahead of the championship, Tunisia National Women's Handball Team engaged the Algerian National Women's Team in two friendly marches. In the first game played on Saturday, the Tunisians won 25-17, and in the second game played on Sunday, the Tunisians secured a second win over Algeria, 23 to 21. And now to netball, where Ugandan national female netball team, the She Cranes, won one of their three matches played on Saturday at the Netball Fast Five Series in New Zealand. Uganda had earlier on beaten Jamaica 33 to 22, but suffered a 49 to 32 and 38 to 34 loss to England. Thanks, Samson. That's Samson O'Malle. In African women's club football, the field is now set for Wednesday's semifinals in the CAF Women's Champions League in Morocco. Local favorite A.S. Far of Morocco will face Bielsa Queens of Nigeria in one semifinal. And in the other, defending champion Mamalodi Sundowns of South Africa will play Simba Queens from Tanzania. Both semifinal matches will be played in Rabat, Morocco. In results Sunday, Mamalodi Sundowns and Bielsa Queens both scored convincing victories. Sundowns top TP Mazembe of the Democratic Republic of Congo 4-0. And Bielsa Queens beat Wadi Degla of Egypt 3-0. Hello, listeners. My name is Majida Nantanda. I'm a former Crested Crane captain, former national team Crested Crane coach, and now a calf coaches instructor. Listen to Sunny Side of Sports on Voice of America. VOA brings you the best in African music on the African beat. African Beat showcases the latest and the greatest of contemporary African music. From bobo music to hip life, bonga flavor to sukus, Afrobeat to Dumbolo and Makosa to Kwaito. The African Beat on VOA has it all. 
and it's happening right here. Mondays through Fridays at 0905 and 2005 UTC right after the international news. Thanks, David. That's David Vandy, the host of the VOA's African Beat music show. On the American Sports Beat, another David. The AP's David Schuster joins us now with weekend National Football League highlights. Huge day in the NFL Sunday, starting with Joe Mixon. He accounted for five touchdowns in Cincinnati's 42-21 win over Carolina. It feels great to be able to have a another basically big game, um, running the football, and basically being the balanced offense, um, which you know is a great thing to see. In Chicago, Tua Tungavailoa he threw for three scores in Miami's 35-32 victory over the Bears. We were just playing 60 minutes um, offensively, not not looking at the scoreboard, and really just like I said every opportunity that we got having the ball we were just trying to score every time the surprise of the day zach wilson and the jets upsetting buffalo 20 to 17 we expected to win this game as a, as a team you know of course we understand this is a good team we understand what they're all about but we understand what we're about as well so we knew it was going to be close of course we got to be able to finish in crunch time and i think we did that justin jefferson in minnesota now seven and one after downing washington also 20 to 17 this is the first time we've been seven and one in a long time so um happy about this team happy about the way we play glad that we have the fight in this team in new england mac jones watched his defense throttle indianapolis 26-3. Defense played great. You know, Uche, three sacks. Judon, three sacks. Bentley, sack. DYs, half a sack. You know, <laughs> it was just sacks everywhere. So we kind of knew that um, our defense was going to control the game. In Detroit, the Lions handed the Packers their fifth straight loss, picking off Aaron Rodgers three times. This is uh, a lot of life lessons for sure this year, um, but luckily it's not over. There's still a lot of games left. We'll be counted out probably by many, and we'll see how we respond. And on Sunday night, Kansas City rallied by Tennessee 20-17 to in overtime. I'm David Schuster. And that wraps up the November 7th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.